to I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Welcome to episode 87 of I See You with Julie Lee. Um, I say that because this is our second YouTube video that's going up. I'm putting the podcast episodes up on YouTube and that's super exciting. If you want to subscribe to that, it's called I See You with Julie Lee. No shocker there, right? Guys, I'm so excited. The biggest news right now is my new book is out. Isn't it so pretty? They did such a good job on the cover, I think. And of course, the foreword by Tim Ballard from Operation Underground Railroad. I see you, how compassion and connection saves lives. Um, I said saves again. Oh, it's save lives, guys. How compassion and connection save lives. It sounds a little funky, but that is how, that's like how it's grammatically correct. I'm so excited. I finished, I finished the audiobook last night in my closet here. I found out what the ebook is coming out this week. And of course, the bracelets are going to be here that say I see you on them. And we're really excited about that. So you can find all of that. You can find the Amazon links, uh, discount codes all at my website, julieleespeaks.com. And that's J-U-L-I-E-L-E-E-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. Someone told me I should spell it. That seems more confusing to me as I say it, but hopefully that helps. Hey, I am so excited because today we are with my new friend, Carly Robison, and she is going to talk about how we can spread hope for the homebound. So once again, this is episode 87, Hope for the Homebound. Carly, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited you're here. Okay, so please start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I grew up in South Jordan, Utah. I am the oldest of four kids. I have two sisters and one brother, and we just kind of grew up having a typical life. Um, when I was about in sixth or seventh grade, I ended up meeting my husband. But at that time, like in seventh grade, I really had a crush on him, but he was a ninth grader and he didn't really care for somebody as young as me. So, <laughs> but he, um, as we grew up, we kind of just were friends. And then when he um, got older, he went on a mission, a service mission for our church, and I went to college at Weber State University, and when he came back, we ended up um, dating, and the rest is history. <laughs> so we live in Harriman, Utah now, and we have four children. Our oldest is Bailey, and she's 21, and she has a husband named Hayden, and then we have a 19-year-old named Austin. And he is in Arizona learning how to be an auto mechanic. And then we have a 16-year-old, Carter, who's just in high school and loves to play the guitar. And then we have a 14-year-old named Samantha. And she loves art and reading and um, kind of all sorts of fun things like that. So we're just kind of here. And we love kind of be spending time together as a family and boating and all sorts of things like that. Ah, oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Sounds like a really fun home life that you guys have created for your family with a lot of uh, pretty serious health conditions that you've had. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about your physical health and the journey that's been for you and your family. Yeah, so about 11 years ago, um, I developed a pretty serious food allergy. And before that, I really hadn't had 
any food allergies. Um, I definitely had like seasonal allergies, hay fever, those types of things. But as far as eating, I never really had a problem with that. Um, my first allergic reaction was to a cashew that was in a chicken salad sandwich. And um, I was actually eating it in the car on the go somewhere. And it was really strange because I actually felt my, my throat closing off. So when I have an allergic reaction, a lot of people's bodies act differently, but for me, it always closes off my airway, which is actually pretty dangerous. Um, luckily, I don't know if it was because I'd had those environmental allergies, but um, I knew what to do, and I pulled over and stopped at a grocery store and got some children's Benadryl, and as soon as I took that, it took about 10, 15 minutes, and um, my airway started to open up, and I was able to breathe. So over the next little while, I kind of was paying attention to the types of things that I I was eating. I went and did some allergy testing and I found out that I'm very severely, severely allergic to all tree nuts and then also peanuts. And um, allergies are really scary. It's, it's hard. I really kind of got to the point where I only eat what I make. I have a few restaurants that I consider safer, but really anytime that I eat something that somebody else is preparing or that is made with ingredients that I'm not as familiar with. It's um, a pretty dangerous thing for me to do. So I have to decide if it's worth the risk or not. Um, but after a couple of months, then as I was getting used to kind of avoiding eating things that may contain nuts and things like that, I had a really weird allergic reaction. And, and we were just sitting in my in-laws house and I could feel kind of this like tickle in my lungs. It's almost like when you have a little tickle in your throat when you're um, maybe got allergies, hay fever or something like that, but it was inside my lungs. And I'm like, this is weird. And then all of a sudden, sudden it started to close off my airways, just like all my other allergic reactions do. And I looked around and I found out that one of my family members was actually eating some peanut M&Ms. And I was having an allergic reaction just because she was eating something that contained peanuts in it, which is crazy to think about. <laughs> so over time, really, I started paying attention to that. And um, I was having a lot of those types of reactions, feeling the itchiness in my, in my lungs and my throat and then closing it off when I wasn't eating anything. Um, it would happen in grocery stores. It would happen in movie theaters. It would happen in my children's schools, just all sorts of places where people um, could be eating or there could be food open and out. And so because of this airborne allergy, it really has um, altered my life a lot, actually. It, at first, I tried, I was, I wore masks before they were cool. <laughs> so <laughs> I tried to um, wear a mask, an N95 mask, and um, still go to the movie theater or still go in my, my children's school. And for a while it worked, but it seems like as the years have gone on, I've just gotten more and more sensitive. And I started even having reactions like on airplanes, schools, churches, really even through this mask. And it doesn't make a lot of sense medically. I'm not quite sure why that happens. I don't know if it's because I'm moving and the air can get in the mask or what it is about it. But because of this, it's really made it so it's not safe for me to go 
most places. So quite honestly, I have been living this quarantine and pandemic lifestyle for the past probably eight years or so, um, mostly just being in my home. Well, and that's why I wanted to have you because you are the woman that we all need. (laughs) Because me and you have talked about before, you are super extroverted like me. And yet for the last 11 years of your life, you've been having to learn how to connect with people creatively and stay inside. Yeah. And that, that is exactly who we need right now to talk to us for those of us that are really struggling, (laughs) um, being so far apart from each other, not to name any names, but me. Uh, so tell us what are some of the things you've learned that can help us right now as we are learning to, to connect and to see each other during COVID and some of the things that brings with it. Yeah. At first, honestly, I was afraid to have people over. And I think a lot of people have been in this in this place. They're afraid to get the virus. They're afraid that if they get the virus, they will pass it along to one of their friends or family members that is immunocompromised or high risk um, if they got the virus. And I think there's a lot of fear out there right now. And I definitely lived with that fear um, in the beginning. And people would say, what can we do? And I'm like, just, I don't want anybody over, just kind of, I need to be safe. But as time went on, I actually figured out that that was actually hurting me. That um, while it may have been protecting me from any type of a reaction, it was really kind of crushing my soul because I didn't have that connection and that interaction with the people that I really needed. So I definitely had to get creative. Um, One of the things that I've learned is that you need to, Figure out ways to still have that interaction with people. Just last week, um, I decided that I needed some girl time. And so my, me and my friends from high school decided that we were going to have a lunch. And I am definitely at risk. Um, I have asthma. I have compromised airways. And if I got COVID-19, it would probably be a pretty bad story. And so I have to be safe. Um, but I also have to see people and interact with people. And so we went over to my friend's house and she has a pretty big porch and we all kind of sat separate from each other. We brought our own lunch, but we were able to sit there and talk as friends and um, just to have that connection. I think it's so important. Another thing that I've kind of learned, um, like I said, I've been wearing a mask for a, a really long time and everybody else wasn't wearing masks at the time. And um, something that was really hard for me that I noticed about people, there were a few different types of people. So um, people that actually knew me, one of the things that they did was they would actually back away from me when they saw me coming because they were afraid they were going to hurt me. And it was so sweet and I'm so grateful that they, you know, want to protect me, but to see people like turn around or, you know, back away from you as you're walking to them is pretty like, that's something that's hard. You know, um, there are other types of people that would really stare. Right. And people think it's just kids or teenagers. That's not true. Like a lot of times there are adults, um, people that would look at me, they would even point and whisper, um, wondering why I was in a mask and they would kind of just treat me like I wasn't there, like I was on TV or something. Right. Um, and then the third type of people, um, who I think, honestly, I was probably one of these people because you're so worried that, you're going to stare at somebody like the other people that in 
instead, you just avoid eye contact altogether because you don't want them to, <laughs> to think that you're staring at them. And so all of these people, and I would say this is the majority of people, would just not make eye contact and I would be walking through a store or um, you know, park or anything with my mask on, protecting myself, and nobody would be connecting with me. And that was so hard for me. So one of the things that I've learned with masks, and now I do it especially because everybody is wearing masks. And so I'm trying to kind of create this change is um, on one of your podcast episodes, I think it was last week, you talked about how we still can see everybody's eyes. Like the eyes honestly are the window to the soul and everybody's eyes are still out there and they're looking and they need that connection. They need to be seen and they need to see other people. And so I think when you're in a store and you're in a mask, I think that you can still tell if you're smiling, if you just have your eyes, um, even in pictures, I still smile with my mask on. I don't know why it's just a habit, but everybody's like, no, you could totally tell when you're smiling, you know, little wrinkles right there. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it's important that people kind of have that connection. I think you could even talk to them as you're walking by with them in your mask um, and you're, you're in your mask and they're in their mask. And uh, one of my favorite things to do, I always like to um, compliment people if I like their shirt or their hat or whatever. And so my new favorite thing to do is if I'm walking in the store, I'm like, Hey, I really like your mask. That is so cute where'd you get it? Um, and definitely, you know, you can just kind of take that time to, to smile, to say hello. Um, you don't have to be close and unsafe, but still have that connection with people. I love that. So you spoke to this a little bit already, but do you have any other creative ideas of how we can see people, especially those people that are high risk right now during COVID? Yeah, I think, um, like I said, it's, it's taken me years to figure this out. Um, one of the biggest things is just to let them know that you're lo they're loved in a way um, that they can kind of see it, but also feel safe. And I remember when I was first having a lot of airborne reactions, I was really having maybe two or three per week before I stopped really going anywhere. Right now, I'm just pretty much homebound. And um, that's really hard. First of all, it's hard physically because, um, you know, my body is essentially going through shock. It's closing off all of my airways. And then I have to take Benadryl, which I don't know if you've ever taken, but it, it knocks you out. It makes you groggy. You kind of feel like you have a hangover the next day. Um, there's just so much going on. And then emotionally missing out on all of these different activities that my family have been in or things that I'm just so used to. Um, so there have been times where I felt very low and, and sad. Um, one of the first things that I remember people doing is I had gotten my kids up and ready for school and was sending them out the door to their carpool. And I noticed that somebody had done something that's called a heart attack. They had given me a heart attack and not, not the bad kind, but um, they they had taken paper in all sorts of fun shapes and colors and made hearts out of them. And um, they'd put them all over my garage and some on my path and some kind of in my grass and everything. And not only did they do that big burst of love, but then they also wrote just the sweetest phrases on them. Things like, you can do this. Um, we miss you. All sorts of things like that that just really ended up 
lifting my spirits that day. And because of the way that I felt when I saw that, that is now one of my favorite ways to serve other people when they're having a hard time. So if I have a friend that's maybe had a a cancer diagnosis, or if I know somebody that has had a family member um, or a friend pass away, then I, everybody's kind of in that point where they're like, what do I do? I know I want to do something, but I don't know what this is my favorite go-to for that moment because you can either just put the hearts and they know that you love them, or you could actually also write words, positive words, um, supportive words, just letting them know that you're thinking of them. And I think it's such a huge thing to do for people. Um, Another thing that people would do for me, um, because I was so homebound, I wasn't able to go inside a school. So I couldn't watch my kids, you know, school plays. I couldn't go on field trips or class parties. And that was really, really difficult for me. That is not what I envisioned for myself as a mom. And so many people would take pictures or videos of my kids and then text them to me during the parties so that I wasn't just there sitting, feeling so sad that I couldn't be there, but I had that kind of connection and it was wonderful. Um, Another thing that I just love, um, I love it when people really take the time to think about me as a person and how, what I am sad about missing out on. So one of my favorite things are plays and um, I love watching concerts and all of those types of things. Well, my sister um, was in a play. She was in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and she because of the virus, they ended up um, not being able to do it inside in the traditional amphitheater, things like that. But they decided they wanted to still be able to perform for the public. And so they decided to do it at a park. And I had said, well, do you know what? Even though I can't come to the park because people are eating outside, they're still bringing their granola bars and peanut butter sandwiches and things like that. But I still want to get as close as I can to maybe see you performing, maybe hear you through my car windows, whatever. And so I had decided that I was going to just park on the main road next to the park and just see how I could kind of hear my sister and watch the play. But instead of that, um, some of the workers had heard from my parents that, that I was going to be doing that. And they decided to take the time to actually reserve a parking spot that was a handicapped parking spot right in front of the stage. And so there was my car and then a little path and then the stage. And um, they set out a little chair and made it so nobody could take that parking space until I was there. And it was so amazing. And I was so grateful. But then the sweet lady went above and beyond. And like I said, there was this little pathway between me and the stage. And every once in a while, people would be walking, kind of exercising their legs, whatever they were needing to do. And they'd end up stopping on the sidewalk, kind of right in front of my car. And the sweet little lady, it was like two or three times, she would always go up and be like, hey, this this lady's watching from her car. Can you scoot over and stand on the grass so that she could have a view of the play? And I seriously just sat in my car and cried at, at just the goodness of people and the creativity and And that lady saw me in a way, you know, I never would have told the people to move, but I had a front row seat to watch my sister sing and all of these other people in that play. And it was amazing. People are good. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, that is so sweet. Oh, and the one that just really gets me is the classroom parties because I probably just connect with that having my little kids where you're just like, and not what you envisioned as being a mom. I mean, you're like me, you're super extroverted and you want to jump in and help. And that is a really challenging, challenging thing that you've been given in life. And just for people to see you that way is so moving and inspiring. Oh, it just blows me away. It blows me away. So for people that are homebound right now, what, what kind of message would you give to them of hope, especially those that are pretty extroverted people and whether it's because of COVID and they're high risk. I know a lot of people who are high risk or have children that are high risk or they're just chronically ill and they can't get out of bed for whatever reason they're feeling physically isolated. What kind of hope would you leave with them? Yeah, I is it okay if I read a quote really quick? This is just something that has really kind of shaped my thoughts about that. Please do. So the quote is by David A. Bednar, and he says, Several years ago, I spent a Sunday afternoon with Robert D. Hales in his home as he was recovering from a serious illness. At one point, I asked him, You have been a successful husband, father, athlete, pilot, executive, and church leader. What lessons have you learned as you've grown older and been constrained by decreased physical capacity? He paused for a moment and responded, When you cannot do what you've always done, then you only do what matters most. Focusing on what matters most is what gets me through every day. And especially as this virus has happened, I look at my social media feeds and there is so much negativity on there. There There's so much heaviness. And I pause and I, I try to think of what good things can come from this. COVID-19 is very serious. It's scary. It has made people lose their livelihoods. It has made people lose their sense of security. It has made people even die. And so it's definitely a serious thing. But the entire world right now has taken a minute that they've just kind of been able to pause and be like, do you know what? We can't go run 27 miles an hour, like fast, 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 going everywhere, trying to do all of the things. We had to stop, to pause, and to think about what matters most. What an amazing opportunity for everybody to have. And I think it's, it's so easy to get caught up in the hard, in the negativity, and My advice to people when they're feeling just kind of weighed down by all of that negativity and the the heaviness, I've been there. Um, I call it my pit. And it was about three years into my diagnosis and I, I wasn't getting better. I was getting worse. My kids were getting older. The amount of things that I had to miss were, there was just so many more things, dance recitals. Um, you know, spelling bees, even I've had to miss my kids' high school graduations, things like that, all of those types of things. And it's so easy to focus on all of those 
things that you're missing out on. But because I was able to slow down, I decided, you know what, I'm going to look for the good that comes from this because focusing on all the hard, focusing on how sad I am that I have to miss out on all of these things, that's not helping me. But if I can pause for a moment and maybe write down one or two things every day that have been good, things that I'm grateful for, things that maybe I might not have even been able to see otherwise, then that can make me get through my day in such a better way. And I even just think about this morning. So I know a lot of people are doing distance learning. My daughter has actually done um, online school even longer than this. And so she's, she was already doing that. And this morning she's 14 years old and I was helping her with some of her science homework. And I just kind of stopped and I looked at her and I just thought, you know what? How many chances do people get usually with 14-year-old daughters that they just get to sit with them, they get to kind of see what they're learning and talk about what they're learning with them? Um, and she told me, she said, Mom, you're a really good teacher. I understand this a lot better, you know, after you told me about it than just watching the videos or whatever. How many opportunities do you have for your, <laughs> a 14-year-old daughter to tell you something good like that, you know? And to just kind of stop and pause and notice the good that comes from it, um, it just helps so much. And I'm not saying that that's how it is every day. Um, we haven't done math yet this week, <laughs> and that's going to be a different story. And it's going to be hard because I don't understand it. It's going to be hard because she doesn't understand it, and there will probably be some fighting. So not every day is going to be like that. But if I can just stop and pause and think about the good that has happened in my day, that's the way that I'm able to keep going on. You blow me away, Carly Robinson. You really do. <laughs> Your wise, wise woman, thank you for being on the podcast and offering this hope and just the beautiful experiences you've had through your trials. And, and I just think that so many of us can look to you right now as an example of this is what you do. This is how you do it. This is how you make it through something like this. So thank you for being here. And you have your own podcast, A Light in the Darkness. What episode yeah. are you on now? You're, you've, you have like 13 episodes or something. Yeah, so um, this week it'll be 13, episode 13. So. For for you. And where can people check it out? So first of all, um, about six years ago, I actually started a blog, and it's the same name, A Light in the Darkness blog. blog and I just, I really did feel... Honestly, I feel like that's one of the positive things that comes from going through hard things. And I am so grateful for the difficulties that I've experienced in my life because I'm able to help others in a way that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. I'm able to be able to see them and see their needs in a way that I wasn't able to before experiencing these hard things. And on the blog, I just kind of started writing about the lessons that I was learning as I was de dealing with my, my health struggles. Um, it's definitely a face, faith based blog. Um, I talk about my spirituality, how, how these struggles have kind of strengthened my relationship with God and with um, Jesus Christ. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity. And then once um, the virus kind of happened and everybody really 
shut down and was quarantined and locked in their homes, I really just kind of felt compelled to start this podcast because I felt like I wanted to get my message out to more people. So the Light and the Darkness podcast can be found on any platform that you want to listen to your podcast on. Um, I'm still writing on my blog and I have all of my old blog posts also. And the podcast can also be found just all in one place on my website. And it is Carly robison.org and my name is spelled c-a-r-l-y r-o-b-i-s-o-n dot org and um just lots of goodness over there so check it out so much goodness good job spelling it that's what the people are telling me well thank you for being here and listeners or viewers if you're watching on the new youtube channel uh my book is out. We're so excited. If you want to check it out, go to my website, julieleespeaks.com. And that has all the links to Amazon and where you can get the bracelet and all that good stuff. So Carly, have a wonderful day. Listeners, I hope that you are feeling hopeful and that you are staying safe with all the turbulence in the world. Just know that there are so many good people out there. And until next time, my name is Julie Lee and I see you.